This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. Citizens, welcome to the Fortress of Potitude. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And we are the Kate Podcasters. And this is the show that can't believe that Quicksilver and Quicksilver are best friends in Kick-Ass. They sure are. And no Nick Cage to be seen, unfortunately. None, which is a crime. I'll give him that. But everyone's talking about the new Spider-Man movie that's coming out. We're like, oh man, the universes and dimensions are all intertwined with each other. It's like, motherfucker, they've been doing that since Kick-Ass when you had two Quicksilvers. The meeting of the Quicksilvers, the Pietro de Resistance. That's, <laughs> that was just words coming out of my face. Do you feel good about that? No. No, okay. not one not one bit. <laughs> I think that's enough of an intro to say that today we are talking about 2014's X-Men, Days of Future Past, directed by a complete fucking scumbag. Yeah, he's back. You know, the guy who did The Usual Suspects and Valkyrie and Jack the Giant Slayer and Bohemian Rhapsody and others, maybe. And he's a Brian with a Y. How do you feel about that? Yeah, he's besmirched my name. Not only did he spell Brian the wrong way, but then he decided to just carry on being a D-bag and just be inappropriate to... I don't even know if it's ladies or young boys, but who gives a damn? Being a perv is being a perv no matter how you look at it. Exactly. Brian Singer. That's it. I'll give you the name and call it a day. It's going to be the last we talk about that, man. We've said what we need to say. Maybe. We, oh, shit. It sucks knowing we're going to get back to him at some point in this, but you know where we stand on the man. How about that? I think that's fair. Bases covered? We did it? Yeah. X-Men Days of Future Past. You ever seen this thing? I have seen this thing a couple times, and uh, it holds up. There's been a lot of other Marvel movies since. There's been a lot of time travel shenanigans, and somehow this one, uh, of all the X-Men movies... <laughs> It still works for you. It still, this is, this still is gets one. you going. Have you seen this before? This is my first time seeing this. I've wanted to see this one for a while just because there was buzz around it when it came out. Yeah. I uh, never got to it because X-Men don't interest me. And that might be changing. Oh. Because this is a really, really good movie. It is a good movie. I don't know if I'd add the really reallys, but. Double reallyed. Wow. Can't take it back now. It's you out can't. there. can't. You said it. I edit enough, and I'm going to make sure I don't edit out the double reallys. I feel like you really only said it once, but you're adding in an extra one in the editing process. I'm not going to create more work for myself for (laughs) X-Men, no matter how much I like the movie. That's fair. (laughs) I really enjoyed this one. I watched it twice. I still have questions, but that's not important. And I do appreciate how it is nothing like Chris Claremont's... I I almost called it a run of Days of Future Past, but it's like three issues. (laughs) Not much of a run. Like, if you buy the trade paperback of it, it just introduces Kitty Pride. It very quickly does time travel shenanigans, and then it's out. Boom. That's it. It feels like you're reading, like, War and Peace, like an epic novel, because Chris Claremont does not understand how to pull it back. It's a lot of text. Oh, God, it's so much text. What was that one I sent you? I sent you a screenshot of what I was reading, because I did go back and reread this. I think it was just about Kitty Pride getting on a bus. Oh, this is perfect Claremontism. He said, 
At First Avenue, Kate catches the Uptown Express tram to the Bronx. Because, you know, tell, don't show. And then he goes on to say, the most perfect Chris Claremont-ism of all time. En route, she doesn't bother to hide the sorrow in her eyes as she contrasts what is with what once was and wonders how so much could change so quickly. That's just, that's a word salad. I feel like Dr. Seuss is rolling over in his grave going, I wrote Fox on Socks, and it doesn't even hold a candle to what you just wrote Chris Claremont. <laughs> Sometimes you just get on a W streak and you can't stop. You can't stop! You're stringing those Ws together. You know, things the Mets won't ever do. That's basically where he was going with it. <laughs> Let's just get into it. Why don't we just get into it? In the distant dystopian future of, hold on, let me check my notes here, 2023. Oh boy. There is a massive war between humans and mutants. Giant robotic machines called Sentinels roam around hunting mutants and anyone else who takes their side. I don't know how you're telling that, but these robots know. You helped a mutant, you gotta die. They <laughs> pretty much like gave him a friendship bracelet of like the <laughs> robot kind. It's like, show me your other half. Aw. And then he just lets him go on. Yeah. I have to imagine that's how it, the interaction works every time. It must time. be. I think whenever you help a mutant, you get a little little token of gratitude, and <laughs> that's what the Sentinels are seeking out. Best friends forever. Most of the mutants have been eliminated, including several of the X-Men. In Moscow, a team of mutants are doing their damnedest to fight off some of these Sentinels, which have the ability to adapt to individual mutant powers. This team consists of Warpath, played by Boo Boo Stewart, Blink, played by Fan Bingbing, Bishop, played by Omar Sy, Iceman, played by Sean Ashmore, Sunspot, played by Adon Canto, Colossus, played by Daniel Cudmore, and Kitty Pride, played by Elliot Page. Most of those names you don't need to know at all. Those last two you do. Yes, and I just really like the first two, so I had to say them. Fan Bingbing is something straight out of Pixar that I feel like you're inside out, you're in there, and you're about to oh, lose your childhood. Yeah. It's and just not what you want. Partner her up with Boo Boo Stewart, and you've just got <laughs> a grand old time. Bing Bing and Boo Boo, here we go. Oh, God, that sounds like a picnic basket's going to get stolen. <laughs> hey, Boo Boo. Hey, Bing Bing. And the Sentinels are pretty effective. They kill Iceman, Sunspot, Blink, Warpath, and Colossus pretty easily. Yep. You're like, oh, those are characters, and you just killed them. But conveniently, or luckily, or X-Menly, however you want to see it, Kitty Pride has developed a new power. We're going to go with conveniently, and it's borrowed from the comic because this is supposed to be Rachel in the comic. Okay. Interesting that they wouldn't just bring in Rachel. They're like, no, Kitty Pride has a power now that she didn't have before. Right. It's just really out of full-blown convenience. And it's yeah. a weird way to, like, fridge Elliot Page also because acts up a storm. Yeah. For not yeah. doing much for at just all? having their hands on Wolverine for an entire movie. <laughs> I can just see, like, you're, you're sitting there, like, the, Elliot Page is reading the script, goes, I just have to hold on to Hugh Jackman's head for how long? <laughs> that seems egregious. <laughs> and, I, and I get a paycheck for this, right? All right. <laughs> okay, apparently that Juno cred's finally paying off. <laughs> it turns out she can send people's consciousnesses into their past to deliver messages to their past selves and change the future. Basically, whenever they get found by the Sentinels, the team goes into stall mode while Kitty sends Bishop's mind back into his past body to tell him, hey, don't be here. Seems like good advice. So after one of these miraculous escapes, the X-Jet arrives, carrying Wolverine, played by Hugh fucking Jackman, 
Storm, played by Halle Barely in the fucking movie Barry. <laughs> Professor terrible. Xavier, played by Sir Patrick fucking Stewart. And surprisingly, Magneto, played by Sir Ian fucking McKellen. It's wonderful. The gang's all here again. They're all here. The ones who were alive at the end of the last movies. Not the last movie, but the movies before that movie. Right. And I don't even know how we get from, let's call it the end of The Last Stand, because that's where this picks up after, right? Right. To this Matrix opening sci-fi post-apocalyptic wasteland. Like, how did we even get there? What happened in between? Yeah, I understand the exposition said it, but that is uh, actually true Claremont, isn't it? Or they just told me and didn't bother showing it. That's amazing how I think about it. Ah, brilliant, actually. Good move, everyone. Hey, shit's got real bad in the last, I don't know, 10 or so years? That thought bubble would be just amazing to read. It's like, I I don't know. It got bad somewhere. Something bad happened. Maybe I'll go back to it one day. Maybe I won't. Hold your breath. I dare you. (laughs) We're just going to dangle plot lines and see if we pick them up. I don't know. That's a very 80s, 90s X-Men move. (laughs) Yes. Professor Xavier dumps exposition all over these other mutants about how this war started. Back in 1973, Bolivar Trask, who you might remember being played by Bill Duke in The Last Stand, well, now he's Peter Dinklage. Just very different actor. It's very different for so many reasons. Went from a large black man to a very small white man. Right. That's the most jarring casting change I think I've ever seen. (laughs) Bill Duke from Predator replaced with Peter Dinklage from Game of Thrones. Unbelievable. Trask claimed that he could unite all of humanity against a common threat, mutants. So he started the Sentinel program as a result. And then Mystique slash Raven slash Jennifer Lawrence slash not Rebecca Romaine discovers he's doing all kinds of experiments to mutants and she assassinates him. And this establishes the mutants as a credible threat and causes the U.S. Army to deploy Trask's program and also abduct Mystique and use her DNA to advance Sentinel technology to adapt to any mutant capabilities, resulting in a chain of events that led to our current shitty timeline. You got all that? Because Brian just expositioned all over your faces. That's right. I just basically quoted Charles. (laughs) It's amazing that you just did like 15 minutes of this movie and just bang, 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 bang. Bam. Bravo. Yeah, that was done in flashback form, kind of. Sort of. (laughs) Time's weird in this movie. It is. So after Charles finishes his trip down memory lane, he tells Kitty, I'm a big fan of the whole setting the brain meat back to the past thing you're doing. Do me next. Send me to 1973. And she's like, best I can do is last month, or else I'm liable to rip your brain to shreds. And in true X-Men fashion, we got a guy with the power for that. How about that? But I like how he sort of like volunteers. Wolverine walks and he's like, uh, what about a guy who can just regenerate all the time? It's yeah. just constantly doing it. My brain gets shredded on the reg. Let's go. What does that even mean that his brain gets shredded on the reg? Just regularly getting his brain shredded and it just heals itself because that's, you remember he got shot in the, in the head with that adamantium bullet that made him forget all of the things. Oh, that's true. We'll get there again. Because <laughs> <laughs> of course we will. Wolverine. <laughs> Kitty tells Wolverine that nothing he does in the past will change anything until he wakes up again so that there could still be stakes in the future. (laughs) I like how this movie just goes, these are the rules that we're establishing right now. We're going to (laughs) say it all out front just so you nerds won't pick apart it. All right? (laughs) All these rules that we invented, here they are. And go. We finished the script and went, wait, that doesn't work if they do this. And then we went, wait, we could just say in the beginning that it does work that way. And then bam. 
Maybe that's how you do a time travel movie is you reverse engineer it like that. Right? Like you just tell your plot by plot story and it's like, all right, now how can we make this make sense so that nobody picks on us? <laughs> Drop it in front of some nerds and say, all right, find the plot hole so we can plug them up. Done. This thing were a ship, it is sailing, baby. So Kitty zaps Wolverine's head for a while and he snaps back to 1973. Wow. Oh, that, that was weird. Owen Wilson just stepped in the room and handed me a note and then he immediately left. I guess I should read it? I guess you should. If Owen Wilson's coming in to hand you a note. Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay. Dear Kate Podcasters, welcome to the TVA. It looks like you just went back to January of 1973. I'm pretty busy right now with the new management and Loki and whatnot, but I've arranged for a few of my variants to drop by and give you some notes on things that appear to be broken in the timeline so you can prune those branches. Thanks, Mobius M. Mobius. Look at that, we're crossing the dimensions again! All right, I guess we'll see where that goes. Wow. So Wolverine wakes up in 1973, presumably having just done the sex. And we know this because he's completely naked, showing off his entire ass, officially earning this movie a certified cringeworthy rating on Cringe MDB for minor sexual material, including suggestive dialogue or imagery. I have to imagine that Jean-Claude Van Damme, when he saw this thing in the theaters, he stood up, and incoherently said whatever Jean-Claude Van Damme says yeah. whenever he sees another man's ass on screen going, no, no, that's my bit. Only I can do the ass thing. And that was, wow, even worse than that in was. our wow. actual Time Cop episode. <laughs> wow. What if JCVD and Huge Jacked Man had an ass off? I don't know what that event entails. I don't think I want to watch it. I don't know what it entails either. And- I don't think I want to watch it, but, like, there's a bit of curiosity there. I'm a little curious. How does one have an ass off? Like, I'm not saying I want to watch it. I'm just saying I wouldn't be able to look away at right. first. Right. Like, gluteus train reckius. <laughs> In true cringe MDB fashion, they do offer some suggestions on what you can watch instead. And... It's a, it's a <laughs> I love this. mishmash like, oh, of videos, for you sure. You could watch A Kid in King Arthur's Court. You could watch <laughs> Rookie of the Year. You could watch Little Big League. You could watch Angels in the Outfields. I like that you're, you're on a single track right now. I got there eventually. And, um, I mean, I still don't know how this algorithm works, but I did note something new this time that is a fun surprise. The movies they suggest, Army of Darkness, Catwoman, Kill Bill Volume 2, a couple of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, Spider-Man 2, The Dark Knight, 12 Monkeys, and V for Vendetta. I don't know where they're getting these suggestions or how they're similar to Days of Future Past, but there we go. Some of those make sense with like time travel. Some make sense because of actors, but some of those, they just ran out of time and space and just said, here, yeah, throw it out there. They don't fit at all. But my favorite part is, for some reason, they're all marked as being rated PG. But they're not. And I would love to see the PG cut of Kill Bill Volume 2. <laughs> For what is worth, the ending of Kill Bill Volume 2 is PG, which a lot of people say is like the biggest problem with that movie. Okay, that's fair. Everything leading up to it, though? No way. Not, not so much. Not even a little bit. Anyway, that's cringe MDP. Back to the movie. So a bunch of guys show up, and they're pretty mad about Wolverine doing the sex for some reason. So they shoot at him. And really, this scene is an excuse to show us Hugh Jackman's ass and also that Wolverine still has the bone claws because it's the past. I was a little surprised to the bone claws. Like, I forgot that yeah. that's what he should have. Yeah. So when I saw that, I went, that's kind of neat. All right. Bone claws ready. Oh, boy. Different movie. Wasn't even recommended. The second one was Spider-Man 2. 
100% less macho man in that movie. It's unfortunate, really. And everyone's like, it's the best superhero movie. It's like, it did not have Macho Man. So, no. Negative points right there. We should add a Macho Man category to our Super Stuff score. It won't change most of the movies we've talked about. I think it it'll will absolutely change one, though. <laughs> it will only change one movie, maybe. So, Wolverine steals a car and heads to the X Mansion, which is in disarray. There, he finds a young Hank McCoy, played by Nicholas Holt, who's like, who the fuck are you? The right question. It's absolutely the right question. Logan forces himself in, searching for Professor Xavier. And the whole time Hank's being coy, like, there's no professor here. Like, you know who I'm talking about. I like how you said Hank's being coy. Because you could have just been like, Hank's being McCoy. McCoy. Ah, didn't even mean to do that. Hank transforms into Beast and he fights with Wolverine. And that's when Xavier, the James McAvoy version, the James fucking McAvoy version. There you go shows up and stops them. And he's like, Logan, all the teachers and staff, they, they went to serve in Vietnam, so I'm just here getting drunk all the time. Whatever works for you, I guess. I guess. He's also using this serum that Hank created that suppresses his powers, but it makes it so he can walk. So, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. That is so incredibly comic book, and I love how quickly they brush over that, too. Yeah. Because Hank McCoy is just like, oh, yeah, he's got that serum. He has to keep taking it, and then he gets his legs. But if he stops taking it, he gets his mind back instead. Right. I made a magic potion that cures paralysis, <laughs> but it takes away mind powers. What he should have done is taken that magic potion, gone to Vietnam because he's clearly of age and should be drafted. Yeah. And then I could see him in the forest with Forrest and Lieutenant Dan. And he's like, <laughs> Lieutenant Dan, I'll give you your legs back. It's like, that's no, his legs are gone. But then and Lieutenant Dan I, I won't be able tell to you use here. his mind control powers. That's true. <laughs> Different movie. That would be like a weird like mix-up of like Forrest Gump and Scanners or something. Oh, God. Sign me up. It's a very weird take on Forrest Gump. I'm all about it, though. Because that would shut down the shrimp conversation so quickly. If like they're on the bus and Lieutenant Dan overhears the shrimp convo happening or whatever it was, even though that was that basic, <laughs> he's in Vietnam and all of a sudden Bubba's head just explodes everywhere. It's a quicker death scene for Bubba too. Yeah, sure. The emotional impact's not going to be there later. I get that. But sometimes you don't need that. What's Forrest going to do with all that money that he brings to Bubba's family now? I guess he wouldn't make the money because he wouldn't He wouldn't shrimping. make the money. <laughs> He'd find a different way to do it. That doesn't involve shrimp bouts. That changes so much of that history. Went back in time. Changed the past. Changed the future, bud. That's how it works. Unless you're in a different time travel movie, that the rules are different. But we'll fix that later. I'm sure we <laughs> will. we fill those holes retroactively. So Charles eventually agrees to help Logan with his mission, which naturally is to bust Magneto out of a plastic and concrete cell buried beneath the Pentagon, where he's being held prisoner because he killed JFK. Sure, it had to go there eventually, right? Obviously. While all this is happening, over in Vietnam, some mutant soldiers, including Havoc, played by Lucas Till, and Toad, who is looking real weird in this movie, they're in quarantine before being taken by a young Major William Stryker, played by Josh Hellman, to Trask Industries, where we know that they're going to be experimented on. Not great. Not what you want. Not ideal for these mutants, but they don't really know. They just think they're going home. A general comes in, interrupts them, and uh, reveals himself to actually be Mystique. And it's the only time that they don't do the eye flashy thing, so it's a surprise when it's Mystique, even though it's not a surprise when it's Mystique. 
it's not a surprise at all. And I do really hate the eye flashy thing. Yeah. Like, I get why they do it. Right. But, you know, maybe just give your audience a little bit of credit once in a while. Yeah, I think they proved in this scene that you don't need the eye flashy thing. People are going to know it's Mystique. Oh, we'll just do it for the rest of the time now. Now it's established, it'll be fine. Now that we know Mystique's in the movie, yeah, we'll, we'll just bring it back. She helps all the mutants escape, and then she goes on a solo mission to Trask Industries, disguised as Dr. Trask, where she finds autopsy files on several mutants, including, like, Angel and Azazel. Basically, she gets real mad because they're, they're killing mutants for research. Ah! Anger! Acting! You're gonna have to kill Peter Dinklage. Don't do that. Not me, Mystique. Oh, okay. Just wanted to make sure. Yeah, no, me me, and, and the Dinklage are good. No, this is a very pro-Dinklage podcast. Always has been. So Wolverine, Hank, and Professor X go to recruit someone Wolverine knows from the future to help them break Magneto out of the Pentagon. We meet Peter Maximoff, played by Evan fucking Peters. And he is by far the best Quicksilver that has ever graced the screen. Oh yeah, of the two that exist, he's definitely the best one. Absolutely. He's a speedster who has a lot of ill-gotten goods in his basement, and they convince him to help out. They're like, hey, you, kid, you want to break into the Pentagon and steal a man? He's like, that sounds like so much fun. I love this character so much. So the team sends Peter in disguised as a security guard, delivering Magneto his lunch. And he breaks him out of the cell, and on the elevator back up to the ground floor of the Pentagon, Peter changes back into his street clothes, and, uh... Wow. Oh, I just got another note (laughs) from an Owen Wilson. Oh, God, you and a soundboard. We should never have let that happen. This note says, uh, yeah, this kid is wearing a Dark Side of the Moon t-shirt in January of 1973. That album won't be released until March of that year. Prune him. Anyway, David Bowie is judging this runway walk-off I have to, against Ben Stiller. I have to get back to. Sincerely, Hansel. I love this universe that you're building here. <laughs> With all these Owens. All these Owen Wilson variants coming to give us tips about who to prune. Fantastic. So when Peter and Magneto reunite with Wolverine and Charles, they're met by several security guards who do not hesitate to shoot at them. And then we get the scene. I like how you're just calling it the scene. It is because the scene. everything that I read online just called it the Quicksilver scene. Yeah. Because it's one of the best scenes in a comic book movie, period. Full stop. Quicksilver, go on Quicksilver. All over the place. All over the screen, all over the walls, all over the bullets. He's doing the damn thing. He is, and he's going so quickly that he's able to adjust the security guards' like arms and stuff to put them like against faces so that so it's going to be a punch when he speeds time back up, sort of, when he slows down. Yeah. He's able to taste the soup while he's in the speed force or whatever. So fantastic. I love this scene. I think this is the best done super speed scene Ever. It's way, way, way up there. I think that Zack Snyder's Justice League did a really, really good job in the Flash intro scene, also with the flipping car. Okay, that was a pretty good one. But this is just head and shoulders above that also. This is such a good scene. So good. So he maneuvers the bullets so they don't hit his new friends. And after all that, Charles is like, okay, thanks, Peter. Go home. I think the crazier part about what he does, though, is, yeah, he is moving these bullets out of the way of the faces of, like, Magneto and his new friends and whatnot. But then they still kind of duck to move. It's like, well, they could have easily just moved right into Right back into the bullet, yeah. (laughs) He couldn't, like, move them, like, three feet up, or even, like, Matumbo might not get hit. 
Right. He just barely nudges them to the side. <laughs> it makes it really, really dramatic. So good on you, I guess. Yeah. For, you know, cinematic purposes. <laughs> it works real well. <laughs> so after all of that, Charles sends Peter home since there needs to be more movie and he can clearly solve all of it himself. You got the fast boy. Use the fast boy. But then it'll be a fast movie. That's not what we're here for. That's a good point. <laughs> so Charles, Logan, Magneto, and Hank board a private jet en route to Paris. Wow. Oh, oh boy. It's <laughs> another Owen Wilson note. The private jet they're in is a 1975 Gulfstream 2B, which wasn't even approved by FAA until 1981. Whoops, I'm supposed to be crashing a wedding with Vince Vaughn right now. John Beckwith. I really appreciate all the notes that he wrote, and he took the time. He took the time, even though he clearly has to be at a wedding right now. He does, and it makes me terrified if you have a drill bit Taylor note. I can't imagine how dark and horrible that's going to be. <laughs> we'll get there. Oh, boy. <laughs> On the way to Paris, Logan explains everything to Magneto about how he's from the future and things are bad and blah, blah, blah. Magneto claims that he was actually trying to prevent President Kennedy's death since, you know, he's a mutant and all. Then I'm like, give me more information on that, please. And they're like, we will not. We will not. I said I tried to prevent it. Take it for what it's worth. Yeah. JFK is a mutant. Next page of the script. I gotta know. What do you think JFK's powers were? Oh, some sort of like charm manipulation kind of charisma deal. Do you ever really think that people could stand being around me if I talk with this accent, Deborah? <laughs> it's all my charm. Some kind of superpower to make this tolerable. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> How is that not a movie? Like, you have Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. How do you not have John right. Kennedy? Mutant. I don't know. What else? Just colon Just, mutant. That's enough to get my ass in a theater seat for sure. JFK colon mutant. It turns out that Jackie O is like his handler. Oh, even better. Jackie, Avra, you can't tell me who I can and cannot charm. Now, Marilyn Monroe, let me go show you what the Oval looks like. Fun fact about the Oval Office, it's in the West Wing, even though this movie swears it's in the main part of the White House. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> Charles and Magneto argue about who abandoned whom, and then they eventually get to Paris. And they play chess. Mystique has knocked out and taken the form of a Vietnamese general. Trask and Stryker are set to show off the X-Gene detector to the Vietnamese officials when it signals that there's a mutant present exposing Mystique. So she transforms back into her normal blue self and takes out a whole bunch of dudes. Well, she didn't need to transform into her normal blue self. She definitely did not need to do that. And let's quickly, quickly, quickly talk about this X-Finder. This X-Mutant man... <laughs> Fine. This thing yeah. is a Glade plug-in with lights, right? That's all it is. It's absolutely a glow-in-the-dark Glade plug-in nightlight combo. And it just happens to beep faster whenever it gets near a mutant. That's it. That is all it does. Mutant radar. And if they had this in the 70s, I feel like the first three movies shouldn't have happened. Yeah, let me ask you a question there, Trask. Is it going to smell like a meadow? Can I take out the battery and put my tongue on it for a little bit of an extra jolt? <laughs> it helps my charm, error. Error. <laughs> Mystique saves Trask for last. And just before she kills him, Logan and the X-Men intercede, giving Stryker the opportunity to tase Mystique. Wow. Oh, another, another <laughs> note from Owen Wilson. 
give me these over IMDb trivia facts any day, even though <laughs> I know this disguise. You're not fooling me. Mystique is shot with a taser in January of 1973, but the first taser was not around until 1974. Love, Drillbit Taylor. Oh, God. All right. I'm happy you bailed out of that one as quickly as you did. I can feel the bandages <laughs> going around my wrist as we speak. Yeah, no, it's only going to get better, I swear. Okay. <laughs> Magneto redirects the taser pins into Stryker, and seeing Stryker, Logan has a flashback to his days in the Weapon X program, causing him to freak out in 2023, because, you know, you got to stay calm in the past or else shit gets wild in the in the future. Yeah, I'm glad they explained that rule. <laughs> or else, what's the point of even anyone being there? <laughs> it would be weird if he just all of a sudden flashed back to 2023 and he's like flailing wildly on the table and they're like, why is that happening? Just because he saw Stryker? I never think it would be that. I feel like it would just be like if a Native American saw trash, like that commercial, <laughs> and he like turns back to him, I was yeah. a single tear going down Wolverine's eye. It's like, oh God, he saw the past or future or- He saw- What? He saw another time and now his bone claws yearn for that sweet, sweet adamantium. That's right. He wants to be a metal man, not a bone man like all us normies. Damn it. But he doesn't want to go through the process itself because that was traumatic. It was so traumatic. Obviously, in 2023, he's going to wound Kitty with his adamantium claws and uh, that's going to cause a dire situation in in the future. Sort of. Eventually. Kind of. Someday in the rogue cut. <laughs> right. I didn't watch the rogue cut. Yeah. I hear good. it's better. Is it? I feel like they add 10 minutes of Anna Paquin with three lines, and that's all they did to the movie. But that's all you need from Anna Paquin is three lines. I don't know if it's necessary, but I've never seen it. So Michael Carlstrom wrote in. He said that he likes this one the best out of the first class movies. He said the Quicksilver scene, hands down, is the best. Yes. And he said the rogue cut is even better than the theatrical cut. Okay. Which makes me just super curious. I mean, you've already watched it twice. Why not go back a third time for the rogue cut? Maybe I will. Give me that pack win. Fine. Back in 1973, Magneto understands that Mystique could be a danger to all mutants, and he tries to kill her with the gun. She tries to escape, but dude can control metal, so the bullet still hits her in the leg. And I like how he, like, curls this thing. Like he's Angelina Jolie? Sort of, which made it kind of funny that McAvoy's just there, and I even like how they say the curving bullet line right in front of him. Yeah. Like, this is wonderful. Good wink ding, movie. You did it. Well done. That was subtle. You finally pulled off subtlety, you X-Men. figured out subtlety. Go ahead and flash your eyes again. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Magneto and Mystique fight on the street while the public and press look on, and after a while, Beast joins in, too. But when the cops show up, everyone scatters. I really like the way that this is shot, too, because it's very Zapruder film. Like someone on the grassy knoll overlooking it, just filming on just a oh yeah, absolutely a Super Eight camera, or whatever it is, right? And but I it's just widescreen. Love that footage. It is widescreen. That's not important, Brian. <laughs> wow. Oh God, Owen Wilson's here with me now. Oh, Brian's a dick who doesn't understand suspension of disbelief. Wow, that's just regular Owen. Stop by. Oh, got regular Owen. I'm jealous. <laughs> I just got all these characters. Kind of more exciting, actually. I feel like regular Owen is nothing to write home about. (laughs) Like, he wants to be anyone but himself. That's that's how regular Owen is. (laughs) Are you sure you don't want me to do, like, a voice or anything? Wow. Wow. Here's the thing. Uh, I I, I act in movies so that I don't have to have Luke as my brother all the time in life. (laughs) Poor Luke. He gets made fun of for no reason other than Owen is his brother. 
he's a perfectly capable actor sometimes. <laughs> Rarely, but yes. <laughs> he's actually really good in Stargirl on the CW. That's what which, I hear. I haven't watched it yet, though. Which season two, you can tell that they're like, hey, this is an HBO show. It's a CW show. They finally CW'd. Yeah, well, it's been on CW the whole time because it was originally made for HBO, and then they were like, actually, let's make more people see this now that we've signed on these big-name actors. And then, obviously, they had to keep affording said actors, so the script writing kind of went down the drain for season two. Oops! It's fine. Worth the watch? Yes, I would say so. There you go. Trask convinces President Richard Nixon, played by Mark Camacho. (laughs) It was... Shocking to see a Nixon in this movie. Absolutely wild. And this guy doesn't look anything like Nixon. It's he looks like Mark Camacho with with a a widow's peak and just a bigger nose. And a bigger nose, exactly. And I don't even know what Mark Camacho looks like, but that's no clue. that's, That's what this guy looks like. Let's slap a giant prosthetic nose on this guy and call him Nixon. I it blew my mind. It really, it really did. Yeah. So Trask convinces Nixon to initiate the Sentinel program, and they can show off the eight completed Sentinels to the public. He explains that the Sentinels include no metal, so they can't be controlled by Magneto, which is a bonus. He thought of everything. Yeah. And by that, I mean the one thing. He thought of the one thing. Hey, look, we can adapt these so they can go against mutants until we find one that controls plastic. Then we're screwed. There is a plastic man out there. Not in this universe, because he's a DC boy, but not even like controlling plastics, his power. It's that not, would be interesting. Look out for Plastido. <laughs> Plastido? <laughs> that sounds like, uh, 2022 World Cup Qatar. Here comes Plastido down the wing. <laughs> yeah, that checks out. <laughs> Plastido coming soon to season three of Ted Lasso. Or season two of Stargirl. <laughs> Who knows? Oh, yeah, right? At this point. Magneto fucks off and goes on his own side quest to retrieve his helmet. And that's really all you need to know about that. That's it. And I like how you Forrest Gumped out of that. When the good guys return to New York, Charles' legs start to give out and his powers start to return. And he's about to take more of this serum. And Wolverine is like, bruh. So he doesn't. That's it. That's Such it. easy convincing the salesmanship here by Wolverine. Right? Bro. Bro. And then, and then Charles is like, oh, bro. Cerebro. I should use Cerebro to find Mystique. And this is the part. This is the weird one-liner here. Wolverine went, that smells like a good idea. And I was like, why would you take us out of the movie like that? Right. Screenwriters? We've gone so far without him mentioning smelling. Or anything that Wolverine typically mentions. It's true. He didn't actually say that. Calm the fuck down, everybody. (laughs) They go into Cerebro, and he puts on the helmet after he blows the dust off of it. And then he's like, I can't. That was it. He yeah. instantly is like, man, I wish I had my legs instead of saving the world. Uh, I, I really liked walking better than the pain in my brain right now. So Wolverine is like, all right, Professor X, why don't you mind warp your brain into my brain and go to the future and talk to your future Patrick Stewart self? He'll get you straightened out. It's an insane concept. It's absolutely wild. And it works really well in this movie? I don't know how, because it sounds so silly, but when you see it, you're like, yeah, no, this checks out. This this is exactly what needs to happen. This movie is somehow grounded in a way, and I don't know how, for it being a time travel movie. Against all odds, it finds a way. So future Charles tells past Charles that he missed one of the most important human powers of all. 
hope. Bullshit. That is a different universe that you were just singing. It is, but this is a waste here. It's such a cool idea. They do it, and then the hope thing, that comes like, Yeah, hope is what you need there, young me. And future and Stuart Charles shows McAvoy Charles. Jesus, this is complicated. <laughs> some of the brightest and most beautiful memories of his life to inspire himself. Yeah, it's as weird as it sounds. Yeah. So But it works. It works. It's it sounds like it shouldn't, but it does. When McAvoy Charles returns to the past, he's able to use Cerebro to track down Mystique, who's at an airport, and he's talking to her through all these other people around her, but she refuses to listen to him. Wow. Oh, there's another <laughs> Owen Wilson note. A uh, 747 jetliner could be seen in a 1973 scene. This variant of the 747 did not fly until 1988. Well, gotta go check on my dog Marley. He's been having tummy issues. Oh, no! John Grogan. <laughs> Like, I thought the drill bit Taylor was going to be the dark one. Yeah, that's why I said we'll get there. Uh-huh. I'm very proud of the Marley and Me one. Wow. <laughs> I probably shouldn't be. Wow. Oh, man. <laughs> that's the darkest timeline in Owen Wilson. Oh, absolutely. I'm glad we got there. What's the what's the, the lightest timeline? We might still get there. <laughs> Although, it's probably Zoolander. It's probably Zoolander. He finds friendship. That's important. It is important. And he's a he's a model. He's he is a model. Really, yes. really ridiculously good looking. So it's very, very true. That Hansel's so <laughs> hot right now. It's so hot. Charles can't convince Mystique to abandon her plans, but he does learn that she's headed to Washington, D.C., which is almost as good. It is, especially since we've already been to Washington, D.C. once, twice, three times. A um, plot point. A pl- okay. That works too. Has it been? Yeah, we've been there three times now. Something like that. Might as well. Fourth time's the charm. Era. That's what everybody says. Era. Hank discovers that DC is where the Sentinel program will be rolled out, which obviously that's why Mystique would be going there. Right. With no time to waste, they take the Blackbird X jet to DC, and on the way there, Logan makes Charles promise that no matter what happens, no matter what, he still brings together the X-Men in the future. You know, even if all hope is lost, we you gotta, you know, bring together those X-Men. It's very important. It's very, very important. I'm just going to name names right now. You remember these, you smart guy. You go find Gene and Scott and all of them. That just starts wrangling up any Genes and Scots that he can find. It'd be really funny if he's like, actually, forget Scott. We don't need Scott. (laughs) Why would he want his own competition to be found? Uh, Classic Wolverine. The Sentinels are en route to DC via train. And the bad news about trains is they got metal. They got so much metal! Yeah, Magneto jumps slash flies slash magnetizes himself onto one of the train cars, and he uses the steel tracks of the railroad to infuse the Sentinels with metal so that now he can control them. It's a solid plan. It actually is. Back in 2023, Kitty is struggling to stay alive. She's losing a lot of blood. And, you know... That's going to be a problem, maybe. And we know that she's losing a lot of blood because they told us. They're like, hey, she's, she's losing, losing a lot, a lot of blood. Of blood. <laughs> and Elliot Page is just there going, ah, 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 but also keeping, ah. keeping the hands on Hugh Jackman's head. <laughs> always. Oh, the stakes. They're so high. So high. Hey, Iceman, you think maybe you could just like put some ice on that wound or something? No? Okay. That is true, man. You have like a built-in first aid kit there. Yeah. You've got Magneto who can sew it up. 
Magneto sewed the back of his head up earlier, didn't he? Exactly. And you have Sunfire who could cauterize the wound. There's so much that could be done here to save Kitty Pride. A lot of selfish ex-folk. Oh, instead, let's mount a 10-minute side mission to go free Rogue and then bring her here to take Kitty Pride's power. And then, you know, it's a better version, I think. I agree. <laughs> I had to see it. I have to say, it sounds ridiculous. I'd have to see it. I need to see it. To make matters worse, the fancy future mystiqueified Sentinels are swarming in on their location. So Blink, Bishop, Colossus, Sunspot, Warpath, Storm, and Magneto hold them off for a while, but one by one, the mutants fall. Darn. We got to know them so well. So I was like, hey, Storm was in the other movies, right? Oh, she just got stabbed. This is my heart breaking for the character that's barely been in this movie. A mortally wounded Magneto parts with his old friend Charles in peace. They, they made amends. It's all good. They're, they're very happy friends in the future. And then Iceman is like, all right, it's just me, the famously best X-Man to stay between Logan, Kitty, and the Professor. And then, of course, he gets very melted. He doesn't so much get melted as he is all iced up, and then he gets decapitated. How many times does Iceman get decapitated in this movie? Because there is I don't a, know. Early on, there is a clear shot of his head just rolling across the floor. Right. Like, that is a Sean Ashmore ice sculpture that they just rolled across the floor. Yeah, and I have so many questions about that. Like, what is actually in there? Like, when you decapitate an ice sculpture, <laughs> is that like a kill shot? I don't know. I feel like you could easily just put them back together and then, you know, because it's ice. Right, just heat that neck up just a little bit and just cauterize? It's not even that. You're just melting the top to right. the bottom. And then just refreezing, and bam, you're a whole boy again. Realistically, if you just have, like, an industrial-sized kitchen refrigerator, you can keep <laughs> Sean Ashmore alive for forever. But why would you want to? I've worked with him. He's a treat. I'm sure he's a very nice man. Of the X variety, maybe not so much. Seems pretty useless against these Sentinels. <laughs> You're not wrong. And I bet he would even agree. Be like, what the hell am I even doing here? Why do I keep putting myself through this? I'm supposed to be an OG X-Man, and they just keep benching me. Decapitated, refreezed, decapitated, refreezed. I'm trying to do an office snip, snap, snip, snap, but it's a lot of words. It's hard to do. <laughs> do you know the toll that it takes on <laughs> Also. When he's with the rogue, why does he just go ice for, man? I think that's a good question. It sounds like he could solve a lot of his own problems just by being an icy boy. Yeah, but that's so cold. So? He loves it. He does. I don't know if Rogue does. Not her problem. She kills people that she touches. She probably still kill ice. You think so? If it's living ice. What does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know. Sean, ask Sean Ashmore. That makes me want to watch like a rogue frozen crossover of how like Anna is like recruiting and Instead, she finds, like, Sven and Kristoff and Rogue. Yeah, and then <laughs> Rogue, Rogue like, drains I'll their life I'll take care of this. Trust me. Time. I have a lot of practice killing ice men. <laughs> no, not Olaf. Leave him alone. Let it go. Fuck no! <laughs> and that's why you can't have Rogue in a movie. Exactly. Back in Washington, 1973, Charles, Logan, and Hank arrive in front of the White House at the great revealing of the Sentinels. Magneto sabotages the unveiling by lifting the Robert F. Kennedy Stadium straight into the sky and carrying it over to the White House while he takes control of the Sentinel prototypes. 
Wow. Ka-chow! Wow. <laughs> oh, that was a threefer. <laughs> Three notes in a row? Oh, Owen. Oh, boy. You, you treat me too well here. I uh, love this Owen. My favorite version first of First note. RFK Stadium isn't being used as a baseball venue in 73. The Senators moved to Texas after the 1971 season. I know this not because of a tiny cowboy, but because I lived in a freaking museum. <laughs> Jedediah. <laughs> Night of the Museum's a treat. It's so good. It's so much fun. Second one here says, that Mountain Dew logo was from the 80s. Kachow lightning. Yep, of course. <laughs> and the last one, wow, this one's, this one's pretty intense. Uh, the purple seats in the upper deck of RFK Stadium were installed in the 90s. In 73, those seats would have been light blue. Dupree. I like it. Just rapid fire right there. Yeah. It's so, terrific. There's something very wrong with this timeline with RFK Stadium. It's true. Let's go drop a stadium down by the White House. I guess Why that's what we're the doing now. Hell not. While this is happening, Mystique tries to shoot Trask, disguised as a Secret Service agent, but she fails because Professor X, now with his powers fully restored, mentally freezes her. And she's just like a statue man over by the side of the stage. Not, not doing a whole lot of anything. Nope, that's right. That's what statues do, Brian. Yeah. So Nixon, Trask, and the other government officials take refuge in a bunker underneath the White House. Again, they go down a tunnel through the Oval Office, and now they're presumably below the Oval Office in the West Wing right, of the White in the House. Central West Wing. Right. While hovering above them with RFK Stadium, <laughs> Magneto <laughs> drops the stadium on the ground surrounding the White House, making it possible for police to get there. They could just go through the entrances of this stadium. You would there think. has to be at least four. We've all been to stadiums, and right. you could figure out ways to get in these things through the gates and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, there's ample places for patrons to enter baseball stadiums, the last I checked. Last anyone checked. Magneto, clearly not a golfer. A piece of debris falls on Charles, trapping it, which will be relevant, maybe. I can't remember. It won't. <laughs> Wolverine attacks Magneto because, you know, he's got no metal in him. He feels pretty cocky about this. But then Magneto just wraps him up in rebar and hurls him into the Potomac. Now, I like how you said wraps him up. Well, because that's a weird way of saying through he put him? him through him. Yeah, but Wolverine's used to having metal inside his body. Not like this. Not, not quite. He's pretty tangled up in this, these metal bars and then just flung away into the river. That's it. You just put Professor Xavier... Under something heavy. Let's just, I don't even know what it is. It's like a piece of yeah. structure. So he's fridge. Well, he's, he's not lifting with his legs. So No, he's not. He skipped leg day for forever from now on. And then you have Wolverine who's got these metal bars going out of him, and he gets thrown into the river, and he's fridged. He's fridged, which is interesting because you would assume that everything he did in the past now has been accomplished. He can just wake up now. His job is done. Correct. He's going to stay in the past. But yeah, Magneto's going to magnet. That's what he does. Absolutely. He magnets the bunker up through the White House and onto Which the lawn. awesome. It is very cool, even though geographically inaccurate. Extremely inaccurate. This thing would have to go be lifted up, then go down past like the daily press room. Yeah. And just, <laughs> out the front door. And then yeeted out the Lincoln bedroom or whatever. <laughs> I think one thing we can agree on, though. With all the sentinels that are now up and like guarding because they're standing like sentries on top of RFK Stadium. Yeah. <laughs> Surrounding the White House. 
Not the worst thing that's ever happened on the ellipse. <laughs> not a political podcast. It's not a political podcast, but also not wrong. I can't argue against it. Yeah, wow. yeah what a dickhead. Wow, this is almost as bad as that time in the 70s when RFK Stadium was dropped on the lawn. <laughs> yeah, Rob, we had our lovely Native American team playing down the road, and their stadium was uprooted. <laughs> Magneto announces to the world that he's going to avenge the mutants that these men have killed. And you'd think he would just, you know, crush the bunker since it's metal, but instead he blows the door off of it and says, hey, you guys, you're fucked now. I am not fucked. No, President Nixon is not fucked. He leaves the bunker to face Magneto, which you're like, damn, all right, Nixon. But it turns out it's Mystique, who for some reason found her way into the bunker. I don't know how because she was a statue. (laughs) I have no idea. No idea. It works, though. It's effective. It is. It makes no sense when you put any thought behind it at all. You're like, oh, Nixon is going to wreck some shit. And then you're like, oh, Nixon's still in the bunker. Oh, yellow eyes. I swear she had yellow eyes. That's right. When you Farkas that Nixon, it's over. That's how you know he's a mutant. Exactly. So she shoots Magneto in the side of the neck with a plastic bullet and then turns the gun on Trask. And Charles telepathically persuades her to spare him. He's like, Mystique. Don't. And she's like, well, I never thought of it that way. (laughs) What an argument. (laughs) So she kicks off Magneto's helmet so Professor X can take control of him. And he uses Magneto's powers to remove the metal debris on top of himself. And then he sends Magneto away. During all of that, Wolverine is drowning in in the river. Yep. And then we just kind of fade to black. That's it. (laughs) Logan wakes up in 2023 in Xavier's school for Yift. Yifted gunsters. <laughs> it's yifted gunsters. gunsters. <laughs> Different movie. Yeah, it's just the dyslexic Woo! version of, of Billy the Kid here. I'm a yifted gunster. <laughs> X-Men, phase of future past. <laughs> future fast? I don't know. I love how it just says on like the wall when you walk in, it's like, oh, Charles Xavier's school for gifted children and dyslexic people. <laughs> Man, I got to get over to that Days of Future Past Mexican restaurant. <laughs> that's right. Because that's what, right? Mexican, Texas, Days of Past, Future. I don't know where Texas came in, in there. I can't even read wrong. It's here right. now, though. It can't go away. Uh, Bless your heart. Thanks, I think. <laughs> Wait, I live in the South now. I know what that means. Yeah. It's just a really kind way of saying, fuck you. That's true. Now that Mystique made the choice not to kill Trask, the entire timeline has shifted and the war with the Sentinels never happened. Even though, you know, Magneto still was like, hey, I'm going to kill all of you. They were like, ah, we don't need Sentinels because Mystique changed her mind. That's right. Everyone Logan knew is alive and well. Jean Grey, Famke Jansen, she's back, who he killed, you know, years ago. And Scott Summers, James Marsden, he's here. And he also should be totally dead. But everybody's alive and happy. The older Charles Xavier, once again a Patrick Stewart, tells Logan that he has a lot of catching up to do since he teaches history and doesn't know shit about the last 50 years. Which I'm glad they addressed that. Yeah, because like all of a sudden he's just back in the present and did he just replace the mind of an existing Wolverine now? Just, like, <laughs> it's possible. Lost forever. No, it's an existing Wolverine who somehow ended up in the same place at the same time. That's because back in 1973, oh, we're flashing back again because we're not quite done. 
Logan is pulled from the Potomac by Stryker, which makes sense because he's got to go into the Weapon X program. But the thing is, it's not Stryker. It's Mystique. Plot twist, I guess. Sure. <laughs> because it's Stryker with yellow eyes. Ah, uh, we got an extra $10. What do you want to do? I don't know. Slap some yellow eyes on Stryker. Make Stryker be Mystique. And that'll be fun for people who are like, oh, that's a character from the movie. Sure. Because Why not? It doesn't make sense in any nope. way. Not even a little bit. <laughs> and I also like how like they fish out Wolverine and they just take the the metal bars out of him. Yeah. I like that he's <laughs> like, like a- on the boat. It's like all willy nilly. Yeah. And then he just kind of like free willies himself back into the water. And he starts jumping around into the sunset like a dolphin. <laughs> that little kid stands on the rocks and puts his hand in the air. And Wolverine jumps over him. And it's like Michael Jackson comes on and sings a song. It's great. It's not what happens. It's what should have happened. Hold me like you were my brother. I love you, Bob. Be free. <laughs> free Wolvie. <laughs> Better movie. Calling it now. <laughs> And then we get a post credit scene. A young mutant in ancient Egypt telekinetically builds the pyramids as onlookers chant, En Sabah Nur. And then four horsemen look on from the background. wonder what that could be. Who knows? Probably Mystique. Just Pro- because everything seems to be Mystique and you reveal anyway. <laughs> and then his eyes flash yellow. <laughs> and that is X-Men Days of Future Past from 2014, directed by an absolute... Some guy fucking asshole just, just the absolute the worst worst like if he were here right now the man who directed this movie yeah for as good of a job as he did on this movie because he did do a good job me and brian we could anthony bourdain him is what i i'm, I'm calling it okay Kitchen confidential we're yeah. gonna drill two holes in the side of his neck like frankenstein style where you know you would put the bolts and whatnot the bolts, yeah but instead we're gonna put our our dongers in there and we're gonna punch mid, oh wow mid neck on this uh, man because he's that bad of a person. Yeah, we're we're gonna donger punch, donger punch him in the throat. Richard donger punch. <laughs> I didn't know that that was a thing. It wasn't, and now it is. I've put a name you to the glorious. <laughs> that is that when Anthony Bourdain says that in Kitchen Confidential, <laughs> it got an audible laugh out of me. Yeah, as it should. But he only said dick punching, and yeah, I don't want to do that. No. Donger That's inappropriate. Punch. Donger Punch is better. Much better. Brian Singer directed the crap out of this thing. He did. I'm leave it at that. He came back for this one. He did a good job. He yeah. Fuck off for the rest of time. Brian, this is a great movie, and I don't know how. I, it doesn't make sense that it is, but it is. You're right. It is so entertaining to watch. You get sucked in so hard. Yeah. You actually care about the characters, which is something that, the X-Men franchise has really struggled to do absolutely in its entire existence. Yeah. It's like Wolverine can smell good and then there's other characters. And in this movie they were like, let's talk about those other characters for a minute. They do, but they also do make the central focus to be Wolverine. But Wolverine doesn't Wolverine all over the place. He's right. had seemingly his own adventures kind of outside of the X-Men franchise. Yeah. Obviously with the Wolverine and Wolverine Origins or whatever it might have been. I don't know, but there's been Character development done cinematically, movie to movie. Yes. Not so much chronologically, because that's insane, and chronology is just broken at this point. Anyway, Oh, absolutely. It doesn't matter. They've broken their entire timeline. They're like, well, now we can do anything, because nothing is real. But I love this because we care about the characters, because we get to see the character in the future, we get to see where they came from in the past, Yeah, and there's clearly 
differences between them. And it's something that this franchise has never really shown up until this point. I agree. First Class got awfully close because obviously they showed younger versions of certain characters. Yes. But here you actually get to explore both at the same time, which is awesome. Yeah, you get to see the effects that events of the younger versions of them have on the older versions of them. And it's like, hey, now I can see how their character has progressed through the years because I see young and old versions of it. You do get to see that. And I like how they keep referring to Eric Lenshire Magneto as a survivor. Yes. You understand the past that he's had based on X2 where we get to see, or is it the first X-Men? I don't remember which one it was, but where he is in a concentration camp. But we get to see him as a survivor still carrying forward here. And it gets talked about. Yeah. And also, he's still not wrong. Right. That's another thing Which that is I really insane. like about these movies <laughs> is that even the bad guys, like you have your your good mutants and your bad mutants, and your bad mutants are still right. And then you have your bad guys who are humans, and even they are just trying to survive, you know? So it's like nobody's really in the wrong. I mean, some are more in the right than others, but everybody's just doing their best to stay alive. That's all it is. And we've said before that Magneto is one of the more perfect villains that there oh, absolutely. is. Because you can see his side of what he's fighting for. And I think here, Fassbender puts on a show the yeah. way that he yeah. works with this character. He was the, the best part of First Class, too. So. I completely agree. Just Magneto's an unbelievable character. That's all it really comes down to. Right. Let me ask you this. Rotten Tomatoes, 1 to 100. Go ahead. Ooh. Um, 82. 90. Wow. This is a big boy score. Audience score is 91%. Damn. This movie is universally loved for the most part. I didn't know it was that loved. Nine out of ten dentists say <laughs> X-Men Days Future Past works for them. And that other dentist, well, he can fuck Was Roger stuff. Ebert because he didn't get to see it. Oh, that's because fair. Because of... Uh, it's complicated, mostly, because if they go back into the past, he's alive, but if they stay in the present, he's very dead. So mm. uh, we're, we're going to talk about the present version. The Sentinels got him. Right. <laughs> People who did see this, though, A.O. Scott, New York Times, he says, the characters and the performers playing them step onto the breach to provide just enough wit and feeling to make Days of Future Past something other than a waste of a reasonable person's time. It is or isn't? <laughs> it is. It is uh, a very no. It isn't. It is not a waste. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's, it's it is as complicated as it sounds. You're more right. than a waste of their time, which is apparently no. He said something other than a waste of a reasonable oh, person's time. Other than a, okay, so it's a waste of an unreasonable person's correct time. <laughs> something like that. Um, that's a very complicated way of saying I liked it. Yep, it sure is. <laughs> Christopher Orr from the Atlantic says. I would be remiss not to note that Tucked Away Amid All the Existential Melodrama is perhaps the most hilarious set piece ever to grace a superhero film. I'm curious which one. It's the Quicksilver scene. Okay. Yeah, it is a funny scene. I don't know if it's the most hilarious superhero <laughs> scene, but... I mean, Chris Farrar must have been sitting there just belly laughing in that theater. <laughs> this to, is so that's funny. what sticks with him. <laughs> he's in, he's going really fast, <laughs> guys. But everyone can't. else is going really slow. Do you guys remember Clock Stoppers? I love that too. <laughs> he tasted the soap. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Some people take away weird things from this, don't they? <laughs> they do. David Sims from the Atlantic says it is especially impressive that Days of Future Past is a success. A film this gooey and complex with such business-minded scope should not 
feel like a real movie at all. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Kind of on the nose, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, none of us know why, but it works. It completely does. And Katie Rich from Vanity Fair says, In an age when more and more movies just feel like stepping stones towards the next, bigger things, is it so much to ask that it be a good movie all on its own? Which is wow. a really, really interesting question. Look at that. Burning that, the MCU while saying, hey, this X-Men movie's pretty good. I really appreciate that, though. And I can kind of get in like an Iron Man thought process here because the first one establishes, does yep. a great job establishing. The second one is shit. And the third one turns it on its head in a really interesting way that some people appreciate, some people don't. But only people will say that the first one is a proper good movie. <laughs> I feel like you're incorrect there because I feel like yeah. most people really like the second one. Iron Man 2? Oh, sorry. Or Iron X-Men. Man 2. I was, I was, X-Men I'm 2. running you were that doing... Iron Man trade. Yeah, 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 yeah. But with X-Men, I think you're right. X2 is looked at as the good one. Right. Which blows my mind personally. Because it's two different movies at once. Because the first half of that movie is garbage. <laughs> and then the second half is proper good. Yeah. And this movie is also kind of two movies at once, but they connect in a way that makes sense. It's like, hey, you remember that two movie thing we did? Let's try it again, but make them connected. It's like he had a, a trial run and yeah. learned from his mistakes. He's like, I know what a human to do. In only cinematic ways, because again, he <laughs> is a massive pile worst. of shit. If this were South Park, he's like a million Keurigs. Oh, it's so many Keurigs. It's so many. And there's not enough P.F. Chang to get all the Curix out of him because he's such a big, giant pile. No, that would be a shit shitting, wouldn't it? That would be a shit shitting. But isn't that kind of what happens in the episode? That's a good point. (laughs) Brian Singer, a bigger piece of shit than Bono. Can't believe it. (laughs) And he should get donger punched. I completely (laughs) agree. Next Halloween, we're going to find Brian Singer and donger punch. Okay. <laughs> that just sounds like murder and throat fucking. It's a little bit of A, a little bit of B. Okay. It equals a C. <laughs> Do you want to find out what our friends at Letterbox have to say about this movie? Absolutely. From May 13th, 2017. Dramatic Magneto using his dramatic powers to dramatically turn all the cameras on himself so he can give a dramatic speech. He's the only mutant truly dedicated to the art of drama which is why I'm firmly on his team. <laughs> yeah, he does do that, doesn't he? He's just like, everybody look at me. I got something to say. You think Batman's got a thing for the theatrics? No, no, no. Magneto lifted a baseball stadium. The man is just putting on a show. Batman watched a football stadium collapse. He did. To a man who talked like this? <laughs> I love when Venom puts on that silly mask. It's true. From August 4th, 2020, y'all ever have that problem when a pedophile directed and produced one of your favorite movies? (laughs) And the answer is yes, because I love Annie Hall. (laughs) Oh, that's a good point. From November 25th, 2021, I want to fuck this movie. That's a good review. It is. And it makes me think like you just gave cinephile an entirely new meaning. (laughs) Like committing cinephilia. If I don't want to fuck a movie, does that make me cinephobic? It might. Tell you the truth. If you never considered like real to real and you're just going like, maybe. Maybe I should donger punch that movie. (laughs) Maybe a 
it's on you. Maybe you're a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> From March 8th, 2017. Eric is such a dramatic hoe. I love him, but that plain smiley face, seen smiley face, mm, I love smiley face, death, smiley face, dying, smiley face, being dead, smiley face. <laughs> Where were you, Charles? Also, you want to pick up all that shit? <laughs> wow. Uh, letterboxed is just so good to us. Folks say that King Daka is a hell of a ride. It doesn't have anything on Letterboxd Expedition of Future Past. Man, that is too good. From August 20th, 2018, Logan is sent back in time a few days before the Paris Peace Accords that ended the Vietnam War. I guess we could refer to this film as X-Men Apocalypse Now. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Also, why did they just send him back a few days before? They could have sent him back so much farther. Like, she clearly had control of his brain and could be like, hey, you want to be a fucking baby again? I'll make you a baby again. Like, <laughs> this seems easy. You're regenerating as we do this. This is fine. I can send you back as far as you want to go, but I'm only going to give you two days to solve the world's problem. Oh, you mean that you could have sent me back far enough that Eric Lencher wouldn't have had to go into a concentration camp with his family? We could have <laughs> solved that problem also beforehand? The whole kill Hitler situation that everyone says you go back in time, what would you do, kill Hitler? We could have done that. And you chose not to. Whoops. Viet fucking <laughs> From July 11th, 2021, I'd say I'm a Magneto apologist, but Eric Lencher has never done anything I'd ever have to apologize for. Wow. Well, there you go. Thanos was right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and the last one I have is from May 23rd, 2014, when Wolverine wakes up and his clock radio is playing Power of Love and his mom isn't a drunk anymore and that sweet truck he was pining for is out on the driveway, all waxed up by Magneto and ready to go. That was awesome. <laughs> that's my favorite letterbox review ever. <laughs> there, That's it. Done. <laughs> oh, 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 that was heavy, bub. That's the power roof. <laughs> oh, Chucky! What does weight have to do with it? Wow, I really want a Christopher Lloyd Charles Xavier now. That would be too good, and I'm glad we never got it because us mortals cannot handle such things sometimes. We don't deserve such a thing. And on that note, let's give this thing a super stuff score. Let's do it. Starting off with story and motivation. Well, when you talk about it out loud for an hour, there's a lot of holes. It sounds silly when you talk about it, but when you watch it, it does work. And it's easy to keep track of, which is saying a lot for a time travel movie. Very surprising. I'm going to go one. And I'm going to agree with you. That's a one. Hero. Or heroes. I guess it's heroes. We should probably go heroes. And since it's an X-Men film, it gets complicated. It's very complicated. Because the heroes and the villains get blurred so easily. Yeah. Are we going to say Charles Xavier, Wolverine, Kitty Pride? I'm willing to say that because the inciting incident of this movie is a mutant versus human war, that all of the mutants are the heroes. Well, in that case, I'm going to go 0.75. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of times where Magneto and Mystique are not quite getting the point of not killing this Trask guy. Yeah, that's true. I think my biggest hero moment, though, in this comes when Wolverine recognizes that he's only here. Because he's the only one who can be here. Yeah. Because of regeneration and all that stuff. And Right. 
He says, like, I don't want to be the one here, but I'm the only one who could physically do it. And I really actually appreciate that about him because it gives him a purpose. And I feel like we never have a purpose with him. That's yeah, you true. can say that X2, it's like, I got to get to the lake. <laughs> oh, the lake smells so good. I got to smell my past. But this actually is the reluctant hero. And that's not so much a Wolverine thing. It right. is, but it's not in like a mean girl's way for once. Exactly. It's I got better things to do, bub. No, it's like I can save the world. 0.75. 0.75. Villains. It's mostly Peter Dinklage. It's mostly Peter Dinklage, and he's very, very good. Yes. What he's going for is pretty basic because he's just trying to have a scapegoat yeah. for bigger problems. Yeah. But that's like the most American thing you can have, really. Exactly. Right? You just go out there, kill all mutants. Look at us getting along because we want to kill all mutants. 0.75 again. 0.75 again. Teamwork. There's a lot. There's From a all lot. sides, past and present and, and future. future past and present like past. Magneto's a good guy trying to help, but then he's also a good guy in the past doing it the wrong way, but right. doing it away. And not to mention those the first opening sequence with the with the team ups that you get between different mutants combining their powers to fight these just really cool. One. One. I feel like it's high for some reason. It does but feel well, there's a in lot my of heart, like it feels good. There's a lot of like Charles not wanting to play ball. He'd rather walk. <laughs> Which is weird for him, though. Yeah. And I like that little character switch, in a way. But at the end of the day, I mean, they are all working together, except for when Magneto and Mystique aren't. Clean one. Not a dirty one. Clean one. Female characters. Mystique is kind of the big bad? Almost? Kind of? Yeah, I mean, it's like the whole plot is stop Mystique from killing Peter Dinklage. But then at the same time, it's stop Mystique from giving DNA, right? In and a then weird she gets way, shot, and her DNA is scooped up. Right. I'm going to go point five. Yeah, because Mystique's really, really good. Elliot Page doesn't do a whole lot in this movie, right? Other than just touch Wolverine's Hold head, <laughs> Jackman's head, <laughs> and you get a lot of cameos. Basically cameos from Storm and Blink and Jean Grey. Yeah, point five. I like the focus that they put on Mystique. Yeah. I think it works really effectively how you can never really tell who Mystique is until the eyes get yellow. And then it becomes kind of exciting, kind of a cop-out. It's a fun mixture. I like it. Yeah. Setting. We're everywhere. We are all over the place. We're in Paris. We're in D.C. We're in New York. We're in D.C. We're in... uh, Moscow. We're in D.C. Moscow. We're in D.C. I know where we are at all times. We're in the future. We're in D.C. We're in the past. We're in D.C. One. Again, this movie does a really, really, really good job letting us know where we are. Yeah. Everything looks great. Everything does look really good. I mean, it is a shame how many times that Owen Wilson had to stop by and tell us that those things don't belong in that year, but. That's fine. It's artistic license. Yeah. Artistic license. Not just (laughs) research. But it's mostly on things like planes and RFK Stadium. Right. Things that don't matter. And Mountain Dew logos. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? One for setting. Style and tone. I think this is actually where it affects it a bit, the research. Yeah, probably. It didn't take me out of it. Owen no. obviously had his own agenda right. after the fact to take us all out of it. Right. 
But during, uh, I had no idea that that plane didn't exist until 1988. How could I know? I think I'm going to go 0. 0.75. I feel like that's high for some reason. It does. I think it's because the opening scenes, the tone hasn't, they haven't quite settled in the tone until they start going back and forth in time. When they're in the future, in the beginning, it feels kind of Matrix Revolutions-y. Or- it absolutely does. That is the exact feeling I got. <laughs> I couldn't put my finger like right where it was. Yeah. In the feeling of it, but it, it felt very sci-fi. It didn't feel so much comic booky. Right. It 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 was struggling to find its voice at first until they're like, "Oh yeah, it's like the super futuristic version of of 2023 where these robots are killing people and you know, we have to send our minds into a different place to to escape the attacking robots, just like in the Matrix sequels. Yep, that's exactly what it was, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, 0.75, it's dirty. It feels dirty. 0.75. But it is what it is. Music. Mr. John Ottman. It is Mr. John Ottman, and he is, again, doing double duty because he edited this as well. Right. I think it's okay. Yeah, I think he probably focused more on the editing than the music on this one. I'm going to go 0.25 because... The music's appropriate. It's just not memorable. Exactly. Exactly. I don't remember any of it, but I don't remember being jarred by it. So 0.25 is appropriate. One-liners. I got nothing off the top of my head. I honestly cannot think of a single one. Zero. That's a zero. And then finally, impact on the genre. This is one of the more ballsy story arcs to cover. Because it is a beloved X-Men story. Yes. And it, it's pulling double duty, combining existing franchise storylines into one cohesive story, which is, honestly, once they did First Class, I thought they were abandoning the first three movies entirely and rebooting. And this kind of brings them together, which is unheard of at the time. I like how you said at the time, 2014. Right. Like, it's not that long ago, but you're absolutely right. Not to mention that this is a $200 million movie. And it made $746 million. That's real money. That is legit money. This thing is highly critically acclaimed. Yes. I'm going to go one. Yeah. I wish they would have done more with the older characters instead of just continuing the past timeline and then just ruining the franchise with the next two movies. But I guess we'll get there. We will get there. But for (laughs) what this one did, did, I think it nailed it. Yeah. We'll give it a one for impact on the genre, which is going to give X-Men Days of Future Past a total score of seven. I think that is perfect. That that feels pretty spot on, actually. And that's weird because it's an X-Men movie. Yeah. I like an X-Men movie. You How sure did do. this happen? You know, it was only a matter of time. I guess so. And it makes me kind of want to go back and read some X-Men stories now, which I never thought would ever, that's ever, surprising. ever happen. But, like, not Chris Claremont, because I just don't have the time. Sure. Who does? Nobody does. If I wanted to read a book, I'd buy a book, not a comic book. That's one of, like, a lot of people's biggest issues with having their own personal pull list at a comic book shop, is you're paying $3.99, $4.99 for a book that's going to take you 10, 15 minutes to read. Yeah. To get, like, another chapter of the story. Chris Claremont. Back then, you pay that $1.99. Fuck, man, your next hour is covered. That's right. You're at least getting your money's (laughs) worth in word count. You absolutely are. John Byrne, nothing against him drawn-wise. He did a fine job, but oh boy, that Claremont, paid by the word, had to be. He had to 
squeeze in those drawings in between the words. So <laughs> somehow, <laughs> this is a great movie. I love this movie. Yeah, I really enjoy this movie. Speaking about movies that we love, though, Brian, what are we talking about next week? That was a terrible segue. I love that I hopped on both wheels of the segue, held onto that handlebar, and drove it straight into your heart. Oh, next week, our lovely, lovely patrons, Dave's favorites, they voted, they chose our movies because of the money they raised for Extra Life, which we very much appreciate. The first month, they voted for Time Cop. The second month, they have chosen... Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Po-tay-toes! Yep. Yeah, so that is what we're going to be talking about next week, and that is exciting, allegedly. No, it's not allegedly. I am so <laughs> fired up for this thing. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I'm looking forward to, to revisiting it and giving it a, its proper chance, not having the extended version thrust upon me without warning. Are you doing extended or are you doing I'm theatrical? doing theatrical because I have never seen the theatrical. And I feel like in order to give it a proper shot, I, I need to know that it's going to end soon. If that's the case, I have not seen theatrical since the theater. Okay. And I've watched the extended edition, I don't know, 20 times. Too minimum. many times. I'm going to do the theatrical with you. Okay. Because I'm curious more yeah. than anything. Like, it's a, a morbid curiosity. Like, it's going to be like a stand by me, you want to see a dead body type thing. <laughs> that's where I am with the theatrical cut of Lord of the Rings. All right. All right, that's perfect. So next week, fuck yes, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Thank you to our patrons for choosing that movie. Like I said, Dave's favorites. That's absolutely right. I wish that I can like go down the line, just high five you all right now. Now, if you noticed, our December schedule does have something coming up in two weeks. It is the 2021 Capey Awards, and because it's coming up so soon, we need you to this week get in your suggestions for awards we need to give out for the capies this year we have not done the capies for a couple years now it's been a while but it is time to bring them back i'm gonna say there's no rules outback style boom you just tell us what you want us to figure out you know classic award show style like best blank and we will you know we'll suss it out most ridiculous whatever it could be anything that you want We'll put up a post this week. We'll put up a post next week also. Anything that you want to get an award for or issue an award, any questions, any bit of just nonsense, who cares? Let's have a good time, guys. It's the holiday season. Absolutely. It's award season, and we want to give out some goofy awards. So stay tuned to the Facebook page for that post, and also send your emails to kpodcasters at gmail.com. Speaking of which, we do have an email. From our arch nemesis, the Ginger Skull. Oh, God. Okay. We should put like a filter on this thing to <laughs> stop it. <laughs> the email is titled Vegetative Qualities. Ahoy, hoy, super dorks. It is I, yep. the Ginger Skull, <laughs> here to provide you with some tasty and delicious facts about Brussels sprouts as a follow up, of course, to your episode on Time Cop starring the equally tasty and delicious JCVD. I'm going to read this as it's written, which is a rarity for the Ginger Skull. He did not proofread this one, it seems. Okay. While Brussels sprouts are most commonly associated with the capital city of Belgium, they are actually native to the Mediterranean region, along with other cabbage species, and first appeared in Northern Europe during the 50th century. By the third... <laughs> what an idiot! <laughs> what is this? Amazon.com? Right. An Amazon boy now, Ginger Skull? Amazon Ginger dope. Skull. By the 13th century, they were well on their way to being cultivated near Brussels, from which they derived their namesake. 
Unlike my other facts, these are actually true. Or maybe they're not. Look it up or don't. Either way, go fuck yourselves. Very fair. Lovingly yours, the Ginger Skull. P.S. If JCVD could prevent his wife from being killed in the past, why wouldn't he go back and arrest Hitler? I feel like that would have been a way better utilization of his time cop responsibilities. <laughs> maybe that's just me, though. And of course, P.P.S. In Master of Disguise, Dana Carvey played the drums himself for Pistachio's turtle character during the credits. I'm very, very happy to hear all of that. I'm happy that email's over, mostly. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Some some Brussels sprouts facts. Thank you so much. Google it if you want. Or don't. I'm not walking into that trap. No, I, there's no way I'm looking that up. I'm just going to assume that he's lying to us and or telling us the truth. You got to kind of handle it. Like Russell Brand, forgetting Sarah Marshall. I could have looked that up, but I just decided to go living my life instead. Exactly. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Join us on Patreon this month for Gremlins. I can't wait. It's going to be very fun. Because that movie is very fun. Be like the Ginger Skull. Email your questions and comments to katepodcasters.gmail.com. It's the only time I'll ever tell you to be like the Ginger Skull. You shouldn't ever be like the Ginger Skull <laughs> outside of emailing. Because then you can't go within 500 feet of school zones. It's true. Makes driving a problem. Follow us on our social media, at Kate Podcasters. Especially on our Facebook, where we always put up a post on recording day asking you for your questions and comments. And we got a few. Donnie! He's in his element. He wants to know who has the coolest power versus who has the most useful power. Keep in mind, you may not always live in a constant state of battle. Oh, that's true. That's okay. I'm going to go with Iceman because I like cold drinks. God damn it. <laughs> I hate when my stuff melts and then gets warm. I hate room temperature things. And also, he could get decapitated over and over and over, apparently, and that's just true. keep coming back. So he is seemingly. <laughs> Immortal, I suppose. Fridging Iceman is actually a good thing. <laughs> I think Colossus has the coolest power, and I think Raven has the, or Mystique has the most useful. That's it? That's all you got? Full stop. I, Colossus looks awesome, and Mystique can turn into other people, and why wouldn't I want to do that? Who would you turn into? All of Owen Wilson's characters, instead of being <laughs> Owen Wilson. <laughs> all right. I feel like you're going to like go cross-eyed because now your nose is all fucked. Oh, yeah. You're going to be like distracted by that looking down all the time. Oh, wow. What's that? <laughs> Donnie, thank you. Ryan from Film FTW. You heard him last week on Superman Lives. What happened? The death that episode, of that whole Superman, everything. All those words. The death of Superman Lives. That's what it was. He asks, the opening days of Future Past displayed mutant powers used off each other in clever ways. Which two mutants, specifically focusing on their powers, would make for a great visual-tactical combo in a future X-Men movie? I really like the way they used Blink in this scene. Or just like, it was like, everybody's just using their powers, but they were coming out of nowhere because Blink was making portals. It's pretty neat. I completely agree with you. I would go Cyclops, Bishop. Because Bishop has that power where he like absorbs the energy and it goes into his gun. Oh, yeah. and like Cyclops is going to put out so much energy. It's like, ridiculous. Cyclops, look at me for a second. It's going to have like a nuke gun. Yeah. I think you probably do the same thing with Nightcrawler that you do with Blink. It would stink so much, though. It would smell so bad. <laughs> Again, no reason to think that that's actually the case, except for, you know, the Pete Holmes sketches. No, it's in the comics. Oh, is it? it smells like sulfur. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, it's gross. Poor Wolverine. All right. Pair up Wolverine and Nightcrawler. <laughs> 
nightcrawler <laughs> just so wolverine has to smell that a lot because he's it got keep him in check really good smelling just that's my my power combo right there i love it ryan thank you and captain spoiler micah he said assuming the x-men eventually debut in the mcu do you want these same actors or established characters or would you prefer new takes on the characters with new actors I have always had the same answer for this, and I think it has recently changed. I've always said new actors, completely, fresh slate, started over. Now that we're playing with multiverse shenanigans, I wouldn't mind like a wink, ding, nod, hey, remember that other, like, look, here's Patrick Stewart, isn't that fun? And then when you're ready to properly introduce them in your own timeline, new characters, new actors. I love that answer, and I completely agree all around. Yeah. Micah, Ryan, Donnie, thank you, boys. Brian, you got anything else? That's it for me. Fantastic. We're going to see you guys next week for Brian dying <laughs> in real time. Because we're talking Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring. Same pod time. Same pod donger bunch. Donger bunch.